in a glass case of emotion. I'll do whatever it takes to set me free. No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. Today we are sitting down with Vice President of Sales Tyler Olson and the most tenured sales executive Josh Holdall to discuss the topic of six things, six skills. This is a process that Citywide uses in its sales process to help its sales professionals be successful. As a reminder of the Citywide mission is to be the best, we are world-class managers of commercial building maintenance that lead our industry in client, employee, and stakeholder experience. The ability to follow a process such as six things, six skills, allows sales to execute on this mission in our ongoing sales process. Let's jump into the process and find out a little bit more. So Tyler, tell me what is the six things, six skills process? The six things, uh, six skills process, it's a set of principles, activities, and skills that should guide a salesperson through their daily, weekly, monthly actions on the sales team. If they're properly followed, it really greatly increases the chances of a salesperson's success in their career, whether it's with Citywide or outside of Citywide, they can be broadly applied. There are six things that the salesperson should do on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis, and the six of those things is to master the six skills in the sales process. I also feel like in the six things, there are a number of items that can be kind of transposed across multiple different departments and positions, you know, not just things that benefit salespeople, but can benefit lots of other people, whether they're account managers, administrative team, or anyone for that matter. So where did you discover this process? It's a good story, actually. Um, As everybody who's listening to the podcast knows, we're part of a franchise system here at Citywide. And one of the franchise owners uh, in Atlanta used to work for a company called Cintas. He was the guy that they would send into the struggling sales markets and he would go in, turn them around, and pretty soon they were one of the best sales markets and they'd send them somewhere else. And through that process, he kind of started to notice, hey, there's these similarities in the people who are doing well and doing being successful and these similarities in people who aren't doing well. So he kind of developed it into this real simple, um, if you do these six things, one of which being master the six skills, you really, really are setting yourself up for success. He actually wrote a book. You can find it. Um, I think it's just called Six Things, Six Skills. I've actually never read it because we got it directly from him, but we've started implementing it after we talked to him about it. And it's really been great to have as a, you know, as a baseline for what we need to do on a daily basis. What are the six things? I'm going to start with the first one since it's one that I'm very passionate about, which is reading 30 minutes a day. This is something that I fully and wholeheartedly believe in. I didn't used to believe in this. You know, when I came out of college, I was like, don't want to see another book. I don't read for enjoyment. If, you know, if it's not teaching me something, I don't want to read it. And I really didn't even want to read that. Since implementing the six things, six skills and actually executing on it, I've found that it really, really has helped me develop myself both personally and professionally. And the intent of the reading 30 minutes a day is either at the beginning or the end of your day, spending 30 minutes either reading or listening if you're a, you know, an audiobook person to something that's going to either develop your professional career or something that applies to our industry where you're going to be able to learn and apply it to your actual job. So it's not, don't go read Harry Potter, read something, you know, we have six books that we recommend on the sales team. Um, The biggest one that we recommend is called Extreme Ownership, but then there are a handful of others like The Sandler, Fanatical Prospecting, uh, Good to Great, and some others like that um, that we recommend reading. And beyond just reading them and or listening to them once, um, I really believe in reading and rereading and studying 
once you've found something that applies well to you. Because every time you read it, you're gonna run into a different situation that you're currently in and something else from the book's gonna jump out at you and you're gonna be like, ah, that, I saw that yesterday. This would have been helpful to know. Uh, I didn't pick that up the first time that I read the book or listened to the podcast or listened to the audiobook, uh, whatever it is. But you know, I really think that if people take the time to invest in themselves, that it pays dividends in the long run. Next one is uh, keep your mind on what you want and off of what you don't. As an SE, an SA, or a BDS, our most important part of our job is prospecting. It's what keeps opportunities up. It's pretty easy to get down when we're in a little bit of funk and we're not we're making phone calls and not uh, getting the appointments. But we got to realize just as easy as some of these uh, conversations that we have, they can just as easily turn into opportunities as well. We can't get down on ourselves. We have to just stay up and keep a level head, basically, when we're, we are doing our prospecting. Yeah, and to, just to add to that, it's it's really just keeping your mind on what you can control. You can't control somebody saying yes to you, like your point. You mm-hmm. could just as easily go one way or the other way, but it's controlling your mindset and controlling your actions because you can control how many people you dial, how many buildings you walk into, you know, and what you're actually doing. You can't control them saying yes, them picking up the phone or an appointment becoming an appointment from a phone call. All you can do is say, okay, well, I got a no on that one, next one. Got a no on that one, next one. One of these is going to be yes. So keeping your mindset that way and keeping on the positive side of things is goes a really long way. Yeah, as well, just to expand on that too, it just kind of goes all the way throughout the sales process. It's after you get someone a proposal too, I mean, you can get hot a couple times in a row and all of a sudden you can kind of get cold on, on that as well too. So can't get down, just got to gotta stay Steve and Keel. Stay positive. All right, the next one is set a minimum of two to three appointments per week. I've seen this one firsthand. I mean, I think the first day I started, Tyler kind of told me uh, this exact thing, like what you do now will directly affect you two to three months, two to four months down the road. If I look back at the first quarter of this year, we got off to a pretty hot start with our sales. And then we kind of got busy and kind of whatever reasons it were, we kind of let the, the prospecting slip. Fast forward three months and we're not closing as much business right now. It directly is related to how many opportunities we had back two to three months ago. And uh, we weren't setting the appropriate amount of, of appointments that week. And that's kind of why we're struggling now for the, for the sales this month. So if we have that mindset right now, quarter four will, will pick up as well. Yeah, I mean, to be successful in our business because we have a longer sales cycle, it's very easy for salespeople to be having a big month, like Josh was saying, and you're going, well, you know, why do I need these two to three appointments right now? Because I've got all this business closing. And what you don't see is, okay, well, when you sell that account, it comes out of your pipeline and your pipeline starts to shrink and shrink and shrink. And if you haven't done the work to keep that full, you're going to feel the pain later and down the road. Um, I've had it happen a couple of times in my seven, seven or eight years here um, where two times it correlated with having a, a new baby at home and all of a sudden, you know, priorities get out of whack a little bit and all of a sudden you realize, oh no, my pipeline is, you know, half of what it should be. Now you have a huge hole to dig out of versus if you just consistently set those two to three appointments and kept your pipeline full and always had new opportunities coming down the road, the numbers game kind of takes care of itself from there as long as you're at least a reasonably competent salesperson. Yeah, you can't really depend on the 50 accounts that you've bid in the past year and a half to just kind of get mad at their cleaners and then reach out to you basically. And uh, you got to continue to set new appointments basically. Wouldn't that just be so, fantastic? Yeah, that would be awesome. All right, moving on to the next of the six things. It goes kind of hand in hand with the set two to three appointments. It's called prospect with a purpose. 
Really what it means is when you're out in the field, whether you're an SA, an SE, you're going to run into things where you have an appointment, whether it's a proposal or a building survey, an appointment with a customer, any of those items. And you find yourself out in the field and you might have an hour to kill in between. And what you do with that hour can make a giant difference in that setting two to three appointments. You have the option to go grab coffee, maybe check Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. You technically don't have anything on your calendar, but if you were to have prepared yourself to have 5, 10, 20 people that you could make a phone call to or be prepared and have looked at an aerial view of a map and know, okay, these 10 buildings I could easily walk into and go to a cold call. Those small chunks of activities like that, rather than just the big blocks of activity that you plan for, really make a big difference when it comes to uh, setting those two or three appointments. You know, Back in the day when we were smaller and it was just me running the sales, Mitch used to make fun of me because I'd pull up to an account, you know, an hour early that we were supposed to be meeting at. And I'd be sitting there already making phone calls off of a paper list and just crossing them off after I talked to him. He'd be like, why are you sitting in your car making phones? I'm like, because we got to make phone calls. You know, it's just one of those things. And that was before we got six things, six skills. And just being able to see that reinforced through what actually somebody else is seeing goes a long way. But really, it's just if you added up all the wasted time between appointments, if you don't prospect, it's astronomical by the end of the year. Yeah, call lists are great. Um, what I also like to do too, if I have a building survey um, that is in a spot that I don't really make it to too often, I like to sit down there before the week even starts and just plan to go there an hour early and just hit some of the buildings around that account. It might be off the beaten path a little bit, but I mean, you're out in that area, you're going to save a lot of time and you're going to talk to people you don't normally talk to as much, basically. So that's how we kind of hit all the areas and, and kind of hit everyone, you know? Yeah, I mean, got to maximize the time that we have. The next one is developing your top prospect list. This comes from all the different prospecting we do, whether it's between appointments or during the normal large blocks, like I mentioned. It's making sure that you have somewhere between 50 and 100 of your top prospects, whether they're the biggest ones in your territory, whether they just happen to be like names, even if they're not the biggest building, but everybody's going to know you know, that building. So developing that list and then having a focused effort for making sure that those people know who you are who Citywide is and associate your name with Citywide and then also associate Citywide with cleaning when they have issues goes a long way. So making you have to have a process for making sure that every quarter you are following up with those. Um, I know, Josh, you have a pretty good process for that if you want to touch on it. Basically, um, what I do is I definitely I make sure that I mark all the top 100s, top 100s in CRM. And then these are the ones that we do our marketing drops at every quarter. When I'm going through and I'm doing a call list, I'm making sure those accounts are followed up with first and then we move on to the other accounts basically. But we're talking to them every quarter, whether we're leaving them a voicemail, we're sending them emails, but they have, I kind of prioritize them first and then we go from there. And really the last of the six things is developing the six skills. So what are the six skills? The six skills, just to give you an overview, are more of the actual day-to-day tactical things versus the theoretical things like reading 30 minutes a day, stuff like that. They're, they're actually more specific. And the first one of them is, we call it the intro statement. Really what it is, is our prospecting statement. It's the four sentences that you spit out when you get a prospect on the phone or when you walk into a building to do a cold call. And really the, the four parts of it are, who are you? What do you do? give a couple of references, and then what do you want in a kind of non-threatening manner is really kind of the importance. So like, just for example, uh, I'm gonna give you an example. If I walked into a medical building and were to cold call them, I'd say, hi, my name's Tyler. I'm with Citywide Maintenance. We specialize in cleaning and maintaining medical facilities here in the Twin Cities. We work with Alina, Twin Cities Orthopedics, kind of out in your area and would love to come in and get you a competitive quote. Would that be something you'd be open to? 
and then let them respond from there. So you give them the who you are, what do you do, you clean buildings in the medical realm, who do you work for to reference them, to kind of create that club mentality of, you know, if we're health partners and they clean Alina and TCO, why, why wouldn't we be using them too? Why are we using this other company? And then in that non-threatening manner, say, hey, I'd love to get you a quote and would that be okay with you versus I'm gonna be in your area, what time works? That's a little too forceful and kind of tends to put a wall up. Whereas the less aggressive approach tends to keep people from putting that wall up. Yeah, I remember the first appointment I ever set was with a dental clinic and I knew that there was a DaVita dialysis right next to it. And I referenced them and then that lady went over, walked next door, checked with the contact over there and they said, we're doing a good job and that's how we set the first appointment here. So you gotta know what's around the buildings and that definitely helps. And like Tyler said, it creates the family environment for them. Yeah, exactly. You know, the references, there's kind of two things that I use for references, either well-known names in the industry or if you're just calling in a general area, you know, using people around them, kind of that neighborhood feel, like Josh was saying, you know, use the neighbor at DaVita. So whether it's people they recognize in their same industry or geographic location, it goes a long way. The next is the survey opener. Um, this is where, uh, as a salesperson, we get a chance to control the meeting. Um, I usually start it by telling them I'm excited to be here. Ask them if they have a, a spot to sit down. Um, I have some questions for you. you have, I can answer any questions you have for me. Um, and then if we're on the same page, we can uh, go check out your facility. So it kind of gives you a chance to, to dig up as much pain as you can and kind of lets them know exactly what they're in for. Yeah, you know, and this is one of the things where it ties back into another set of principles that we utilize. And this is citywide citywide wide, for lack of a better way to say it, um, which is the Sandler sales system. One of the things is creating upfront contracts. So when you're giving them that, here's what we're going to do, here's the plan, is that okay with you? And they're agreeing to, yep, we're going to go sit down. They know you're going to ask them questions. They know you're going to allow them to ask their questions. And then assuming you're on the same page, go walk the facility and give them a quote and making them say, yeah, that sounds great. They're now agreeing to your process and keeping keeping a prospect on your process allows you to control the entire environment and, and sales cycle versus just you know letting them run it and going, oh, here, I'm here, want to give you a quote, what should we do? Taking control of it goes a long way. Next one's the 30-second commercial, which is really just the, it's your elevator pitch, the who you are, what do you do, where do you come from? Everybody should be a little different to them personally, you know, it's got to sound natural coming out of your mouth, so we don't really have a, a standardized one to spit out, but basically it's an elongated version of that intro statement, you know, dig in a little more to our processes, kind of what we do, how we separate ourselves, multiple services, that sort of thing, and be able to get that out in a short enough amount of time that your prospect's eyes don't start to glaze over as you spit it out. You know, and it's not the thing you want to just roll into when you're on the phone either. That's why we have that intro statement. So it's a, you got to wait for the right time to roll it in when somebody asks you those questions of what do you do? Or if they're like, hey, no, I don't have any questions. Tell me a little bit about Citywide. Being able to have that 30 seconds of, you know, we're a commercial cleaning company. What sets us apart is the management structure we have. Talk about the multiple services and how that has been beneficial for our customers and the follow-up and follow-through and communication that isn't standard in our environment in, in the industrial cleaning world. It's not very standard to have actual regular follow-up stuff like that. If you know who the facility service manager in that area is, being able to put an actual face and a name, not just a position to that to that area, it goes a long way as well. But then maybe even putting in a personal tie. For me, it's, you know, I was the sales team for a while and I've been here ever since. It's not my background, but it's a great company to work for and, you know, on and on and on. So everybody has to be able to kind of tie that back to themselves and uh, back to the company. Um, that's why it's kind of personalized. So you have to kind of 
tweak that as you go and develop it as you develop your sales professional citywide. So the next one is product and industry knowledge. Um, this one just basically, it kind of comes with time of uh, being at the company. If I look back to what I knew when I started and to what I know now, it's just a lot of it is just experience and um, asking questions around from the sales team, from the FSMs and being there night one to help out cleaning. Another thing is, uh, I mean, just the basic uh, services, additional services we use, a strip and wax, window washing. I, I kind of find YouTube videos to be helpful just to to be more confident in how they actually function when you're in the building. When I YouTube the strip and wax, it was nothing what I actually thought it was. And it just allows me to be more confident when, when we're talking about it in a meeting, because those are questions that often get brought up when you're in a one-on-one, -on -one, like, can you do a strip and wax for us? What do you do for floor care? And if you know the basics behind those, you're gonna be a lot more successful. There's no real good way with our industry to sit down and just jam information into somebody and go, here's all the all the things you're going to need to know from services to jargon. So you really have to be good at asking questions. And it actually jumps back to that, you know, first of the six things, which is the read 30 minutes a day. This is one of those industry specific ones. Like he said, use YouTube, um, whether it's YouTube or looking up articles or, you know, any of those things. Or even going out and just doing a, uh, visiting a, an NJS site um, when they're doing some of these floor care functions, just to see how they're, uh, how they actually work in person would be helpful as well. I would way underestimated when I first started, like you said, stripping wax. I went out and actually <laughs> watched it, and I was like, "That's a lot of work for just making your floor look shiny." You know, it's it's a it's a process. So, having the understanding of that, and then when a customer asks you something about it and being able to intelligently speak to it, goes a, goes a really long way. And on the counterpart to that, you know, just to touch the other side, if you don't know about it, don't pretend like you do because yeah. they're going to know. You know, so that's a time when you go, "I don't know." Good question let me find that out and then you come back and you pull an fsm or me or mitch somebody aside and like hey they asked me about yeah x what does that mean and what what should i say to them all right the next of the skills is the closing statement you can kind of take this two ways i'm not big on having an actual end-all be-all closing statement where it's you know when do we start or anything like that leaving a leaving a, um, a building surveyor proposal I tend to use more of like assumptive close language is kind of what we describe it as where it's instead of saying if you choose us to clean your building or if you choose us to be your service provider, it's when you choose us to be your service provider, when we start in your building, we will X, Y, and Z. But speaking in more absolutes that we are already planning on getting your business, it just kind of resonates into their mindset of, oh, these guys are going to be our provider, right? Like it's, you're not giving them the ifs or the buts. You're just giving them the, yeah, we're going to service your building. So once we agree on price, when we start, you know, and so on and so forth. If you are one who likes a closing statement, one of the big ones that actually came from David is, you know, when you leave the proposal, if you don't have signed documents, it's just asking them, hey, when do we start? You know, and half the time they're going to chuckle and be like, yeah, we'll get back to you, you know. But every once in a while, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, actually in like 30 days. <laughs> At a very minimum, you will find out when they are looking to switch, maybe, and then you'll have a better idea of, of that. Um, otherwise, you might just get a laugh from them, too, which is good as well. <laughs> then the last of the skills is handling objections. And this could almost be a podcast in and of itself, so I'm not going to fully dive into everything. But basically, there are, there are a number of different processes between handling objections out there. You can find them. You can Google them. Um, the one that we prescribe to here and that's actually in the six things, six skills book and system is RICE is the acronym. Um, and it's actually backwards. It's empathize, clarify, isolate, and respond. The biggest thing is if you don't have a process for giving them a response to an objection or a question, 
all you end up doing is arguing with them. If it's just objection, response, objection, response, you're just arguing with somebody who you're trying to get business from versus, you know, being able to step back from it, isolate and clarify exactly what they're asking you and then responding to them. So a big one for us, just to give an example, is we get the question a lot, you know, are the cleaners your employees? And as you know, as employees here, we don't employ the actual cleaners. So it's being able to stop and say, you know, I can understand why you'd be asking us that. It's a really common question in our industry. I just want to understand, is your concern that they work directly for us or that we're reselling the contracts or, you know, can you enlighten me a little bit on what your, what your actual concern is with that? Let them talk and explain to you. And most of the time it's, yeah, I just don't want you to resell the contract, which is what some companies in our in our industry do and it completely relinquishes control from the company and the salesperson who was sitting in front of them and they feel like they kind of got bait and switched and so once they get that out you can go that's great you know we don't you we don't actually employ the cleaners directly but we operate very differently and then you can go into your response after you've clarified and said you know that's that aside here's how we do it and be able to give them a direct response versus going, you know, guessing and saying no, and then going into your you know, your spiel when their real concern was, do you sell the contract to them? Which is an easy response once you understand what that is. And that can go with any of the different things, whether it's from price to employees to background checks to control and situations, you know, chemicals you use, any of the different things that can come up in the process. So really in our sales playbook and in our management strategies, we actually have a document with kind of five or six canned responses to those, but being able to do the clarify and isolate and emphasize portion of rice before you just spit out the response is really the art that comes behind it. So just kind of to wrap things up here for you all, you know, the six things, six skills used with the rest of our management strategies really is what's going to set you up for success and hopefully be a long-term employee on the sales team here.